Welcome to LOA Today. Walt Thiessen and Life Coach Cindy Chavez here. Today is Wednesday, June the 20th, 2018, 8 a.m. Eastern Time, your first daily dose of happy for the day and your first daily dose of happy for hump day, as it's often called. So we hope you're off to a good start today and that uh, everything is going swimmingly just the way you want it to. I've, uh, I've been practicing my ability to respond this morning because uh, I had a bit of a curveball thrown at me before we even got on the podcast. And Cindy, I, I have to admit, I'm still kind of reeling from the punch, but I'm rallying and that's the most important thing. <laughs> well, it is. I mean, you know, <laughs> when we get news that we weren't expecting that feels like bad news <laughs> or, you know, we get a curveball thrown at us, um, it's it's just doesn't feel good. And there's no way really way around that, but that's okay. It's, it's okay to not feel good about something that doesn't feel good, you know? Um, and then this gives us the opportunity to, like you said, I love that you said respond because mostly we react and yeah. Yeah. Right. And yeah. then we can consciously begin learning how to respond instead of react. And the response is, you know, the place where we have the opportunity to practice. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And I'm getting plenty of practice today. I mean, I, I haven't given anybody here a, an idea of what I'm talking about. But uh, just to give you like the 10,000 foot view, about two and a half months ago, I got in contact with a developer who was to build what is known as a WordPress plugin. And for those who don't know what it is, WordPress is a platform for providing web pages on a website. So, for instance, uh, if, if you have a website you want to put up, one of the most popular ways, actually the most popular way to do it is with WordPress. I think it's something like one out of every five websites in the world is built on WordPress. Now, most people don't realize that, but it's true. So it's, it's pretty popular stuff. And uh, th there are ways to modify what you get with a WordPress platform that are known as plugins. It's kind of a way of building customized code that'll do special things. And there are a lot of free plugins that are out there built for WordPress. Well, this particular need that we had really was not something that WordPress was per particularly designed for. Because um, what we needed was a way for our employees to get schedules and, and uh, you know, punch time clocks and so forth. And, and that's definitely not a WordPress function. So we were having a custom plugin built. And it was supposed to be done in 30 days. It's now 80 days later. <laughs> I can't believe how much later it is. And when they delivered the software today, it wasn't built in WordPress. And I was just flabbergasted. <laughs> I, had, I mean, that was the last thing I expected this morning. I thought, oh, great. The, the new software is here. I can plug it in. We can switch over to it. Everything's going to be so much smoother. And I learned I have to go back to ground zero. It's like, uh, uh. <laughs> So, yeah, this is a perfect opportunity to practice. How am I going to respond? And, uh, yeah, I'm still responding. I'm still I'm still flabbergasted. <laughs> yeah. Well, Oof. a lot of times when we have a, a circumstance like this and it hits us, like I think you said, between the eyes yeah. and and we are flabbergasted, it turns out that it's not as bad as we thought it was. Well, yeah, and, I know I'm getting there. It's not, I, I still feel the emotion of it, but as that subsides, yeah, I'll know that. You're right. It, that, that, that is not the final destination. Right. And also sometimes the fix seems like it's impossible. And then we learn that maybe it's not. So, you know, just giving some encouraging vibes well, here <laughs> that, that 
that the potential for this to be easier to fix than we imagine is there because I all like that. potentialities are there, right? This is and true. so right. So it's like this is the place where we get to imagine and write the story that we want to tell, which would be maybe something like, really, I was so flabbergasted. I just figured this was the end. I'd have to start from ground zero. <laughs> it was, but, but in the end, we did find a fix in it. It came together really easily. And it was such a relief to have it yeah, all put together and working in time that was faster than we even imagined. That's good. So, I like that. Oh, yeah. Thank you. I, I think I'll play this one back after we're done with the podcast just so that I can have that <laughs> reinforced. I like that. <laughs> well, here's the thing. If if nothing else, just running that script right now feels better, right? So Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and then we can, we've talked about this uh, touched on it before but the idea of you know running a script writing a script like that just for the fact that it feels better right now and allowing ourselves to enjoy the feeling that we get from it right now I remember one time when I was writing a book and um, somebody was kind of helping me we were brainstorming about it and the script they gave me was similar in that it was a story that I might tell when the book was written that would say, you know, oh my goodness, this book came together so easy. It's almost like it wrote itself. And <laughs> I was like, yeah, that feels really good. <laughs> Especially when you're struggling in the middle of getting a book written. Right. So, so I think that, you know, that's the most helpful thing I know to do at that time is to start telling the story we want to tell, a future story we want to tell looking back. Yeah. Well, it's hard to remember that, so, so I'm glad that you, you pointed it out to me, because when you're in the middle of dealing with the emotions involved with the disappointment and the frustration and, and just the flabbergastedness, I mean, I, I was just blown away. I, I That was the last thing I thought was going to happen. I That hadn't even occurred to me in my wildest nightmares. I mean, that was just, are you kidding me? <laughs> I was just blown away by it. But when you're in that state... It's so hard to focus on, oh, yeah, I can get back to where I wanted to be. I mean, I can imagine that. I can actually play in my mind. You know what? There is a solution to this. I don't necessarily know, have to know what it is, but there's a solution to this. And the solution can be easy, and it can be something that can be done relatively quickly, and it can all be ironed out. Yeah, and I mean, that's the thing is when you are in there, when you're down in it, when when you in the like you said, the in the emotion of it kind of immersed in it happening, it's really hard to see your way yeah. out of it. It's really hard to reach for those things. That's why having uh, coaches and partners and people that can reflect and, yes. you know, brainstorm with us is so useful. And so, you know, it reminds me of the thought I had when you were saying that was was this ridiculous question. It's like, well, Walt, do you think that in five years you'll still be struggling? With <laughs> no, I don't think so. No, of course not. <laughs> and I remember somebody said to me when my, when one of my children was really young, they said, um, you know, he's, he's, I think I was trying to teach them to tie shoes or something. And it was just like, Oh, just not getting it. Right. And they said, look, you know, he's not going to be in that like third grade and still not know how to tie his shoes. Like it'll happen. True. <laughs> True. Like, you know, it's true. It's like sometimes we, well, always, don't we always want everything right now? And you've been waiting like two and a half times longer than you thought to get yeah. this off. <laughs> I think anybody, that's probably what did it. 
that more than anything Anybody else would be frustrated oh I yeah mean, yeah yeah and, and and i think that's probably why i'm so emotionally distraught with this because i've been so patient i've been working with these people and i've <laughs> you know looking back on it i realized there were actually a lot of warning signs during the project which is actually too late but they were there and i should have been noticing them and noticing that this could actually lead to something that i didn't really like but i kept trying to have the faith, right? I kept trying to say, oh, no, no, it's all going to work out. It's all going to be fine. And like you're saying, well, it is all going to be fine, just not necessarily the way I had in mind. Yeah, just it just wasn't fine this morning. But No, just not this morning. This morning was like, Like you Ugh. said, it's not over yet. It's not over yet. So it it's going to be fine. But and There's, I, there's also an irony here. There's a, the irony, I, I think I mentioned it before the podcast is, maybe I mentioned it during it, I can't remember. Um, the programmers that I'm working with are from India. And there is a catchphrase that came from a movie that was filmed in India called The Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. And that phrase is, everything will be all right in the end. And if it's not yet all right, then it's not yet the end. And I'm thinking, how ironic. The, 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 the perfect truth <laughs> came from the same country as the people who are messing up. Like, okay, what's that all about? I have no idea. I just thought it was an interesting coincidence. <laughs> well, you know what it is? It's a synchronicity. It's a frustrating synchronicity. Yeah, frustrating <laughs> synchronicity, right? <laughs> well, we you don't know, think I, of it that way, do we? <laughs> well, sometimes I explain this. It's like we all love synchronicities because we they feel so magical, um, and and except when they don't. And it's, <laughs> a, a synchronicity is just it's just about alignment. This is so true. it's like we're in sync with that vibration, and so. Sometimes we're in sync with other vibrations that <laughs> don't feel as good. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I, my well, goodness. I certainly never thought about synchronicities could be stuff that are synchronized that you don't like. But certainly it's true. I mean, there's no law that says you have to like all synchronicities. None that I know of anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, sure. A synchronicity could be something that you don't like. Sure. It's whatever you're synced up to. Yeah. What about when people say... You know, that when, when, well, we have all had the experience where we didn't follow intuition and it's like, oh, I should have listened to my gut. Yeah, well, right. you just said, you said, I saw these red flags and I, I just kept being positive about it instead of paying attention. Mm -hmm. Well, there's the synchronicity. That is. Because what if you would have said, oh, it worked perfect and I knew it was going to work perfect. I got, got this feeling like two nights ago that I saw this particular sign and it said oh yes it's gonna be perfect and then it was perfect then it would be like oh a synchronicity well i mean it's just where we're synced up it's just what's happening but it just is that we are in tune with something it's not good or bad you know it's just being in tune with something that's all and it's important to not beat yourself up for not paying attention to what you see now in hindsight as being a sign oh i agree yeah and i, yeah. I really don't want to beat myself up about it I'm, I'm, I, I don't actually have, I haven't gotten to that point yet where I could even consider that I'm still being flabbergasted. So <laughs> eventually perhaps I'll have that option, but it isn't you there yet. You might feel like beating someone else up at this <laughs> point. <laughs> oh, good grief. Wow. Boy. Well, it's, you know, it's, it's interesting to discuss these things on the fly in the moment because yes. it gives us a chance to, to work it out and, I just love the idea of, of just moving a little bit forward and recognizing that things things are going to work out. I, I am learning this week 
yesterday we had a really good discussion about the little things, Wendy and I did, about the little things that have law of attraction connections and implications to them because the law of attraction applies in all areas of our lives. And it's interesting often to look at how the, just the smallest thoughts produce results that we really didn't expect at all. But nevertheless, you look back and you say, wow, that one little thought led to that? And this is just another example of it. Like, oh my goodness. How could, all I, all I did was, you know, start to wonder, like, are these guys knowing what they're doing? And look what it led to. Oh my goodness. I mean, it's almost like you feel like you have to be perfect, which I know you don't, but it feels like that. It feels like you have to be perfect in the way that you, you put your thoughts out there. And I guess what well, that really no, is... Well, no, you never... You, that, and, and I mean, I know that's not true. That I know always, that's not true. Yeah. I, I'm absolutely certain that's not addressing. true. But, but I, th I think what it is... I, I think what I'm touching on here is there's always some side to us or often some side to each of us where we expect and we're thinking in terms of some level of perfection. And when we do, we put limits on ourselves without realizing it. And the process of putting those limits on ourselves... We produce unexpected results, and that's part of living. I mean, that there there is no perfect way of living. You just there's there's just no way to do that. So you're you, you're you always live, getting it right. Yeah, you're always getting it right. Yep. Even when it's not the result you looked for, you're still getting it right. That that's it's an important concept. It's a hard one, but it's an important one. And it, and yeah, it's, yeah. it's what I'm being reminded of this morning. You're you're always getting it right, and you'll you'll never get it done. Yeah. <laughs> What was well, the, I hope the project is done at some point. I mean, I, I really had, want this project done. I really do. <laughs> you had written it. You had written that you're 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 never getting it wrong, and you're you're and you'll never get it done. You had put it into the positive, so you said you're always getting it right. And what the road goes on forever. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 We don't want the frustrating road to go on forever. No. That's sure. No. <laughs> That's for sure. And I really do want to be able to use the software. So, I mean, I want the milestone to be reached where the software is actually functioning the way I need it to. <laughs> exactly. And so it's just knowing that there is a solution that's easier than you think. Yeah. And can be put in place quicker than you think. We know this because we know that all there's potential for everything. Yes, it's true. And it's where I have to redirect my attention now and just keep redirecting and redirecting. Like, yes, this is all going to work out. It can happen quickly. It can happen smoothly. And I want it to happen quickly. And I want it to happen smoothly. And I want there to be this, this resolution that I don't care where it comes from, just as long as it comes. Sometimes I like to think of everything happening. Well, you know, <clears throat> one of my favorite um, mentors, Florence Scovelshin, most famous book, The Game of Life and How to Play It. Uh, sometimes I like to think of everything as a big kind of video game, you know, mm. it's like where you think that you're going right along exactly the way it's supposed to be. And then a curveball happens and you're like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> but it, in the end, there's a solution and there's a way. And we might have to back up a little bit and do one level over. Right. But we're going to level up. <laughs> so it's going I'm to curious. happen. I'm curious too. Sometimes with these kinds of situations, there's an unexpected benefit that comes out of it. One yeah. that would not normally have happened. And I'm wondering if that's going to be the case here. And if so, what's it going to be? Because now I'm really curious, you know? Yeah. Well, would you like it to be the case that there's an unexpected benefit? Oh, yes, very much. 
<laughs> right. Love that. Okay. Yes. Well, then script that, right? And that's the part where it's like, this was so frustrating when it happened and I had waited so long. And in the end, it's been such an amazing experience because there was this big unexpected benefit and it never would have happened if this wouldn't have unfolded the way it did. So all that frustration and all of that flabbergastness, it was totally <laughs> worth it at this point because of what came out of this. So I can totally be at ease with the way it unfolded because of even just this one thing. It, I have to say the, the reason I used the word flabbergasted was... <laughs> I love that word. It's a great word, isn't it? It's, and it's never used anymore. It's such an old fashioned word. But the word got used in a movie that was produced about 50 years ago called Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, which was the last movie that Spencer Tracy did. And he did it with Catherine Hepburn and uh, Sidney Poitier. And in this uh, movie, uh, the main protagonist's daughter comes home and announces that she is going to marry a man of African-American descent. And she's um, Caucasian. And in the 1960s, when this was produced, that was a major event. That was, well, in some states, it was illegal to do that. And so it was a pretty significant movie of the time. And in the context of the script, Spencer Tracy's character at one point says, I was informed by my daughter that the marriage was going to go ahead no matter what. And in short, I was flabbergasted. And while I was being flabbergasted, and I, I love that phrase, while I was being flabbergasted. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've never of. seen that movie. Oh, it's a great one. It's a so great I'm movie. So I'm putting it on my list of, of movies to watch yeah. right away because, you know, when you mentioned it, I was like, you know, I know of this movie because I remember hearing about it when I was a kid, mm -hmm. uh, but I've never watched it. It is. So it's timely to. even today because there, there's still plenty of, of overtones going on that easily connect to this, not just racially, overtones? but in a wider... Overtones? Really? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it's still timely today because it's there's still, still timely. Yeah, still plenty of racism happening. Yeah. It, well, no, not I just racism. I mean, there's lots of isms going on, and it, it kind of touches on all of them in that sense. So, I Ooh. mean, it's still very timely today. Yeah. Plus, how it, can you not love a movie with Catherine Hepburn and oh, Spencer yeah, Tracy and, and Sidney Poitier? <laughs> oh, absolutely. They're, they're wonderful. They're wonderful yeah. actors. Oh. So I'm over here feeling kind of like almost confused with myself. Like, why haven't you seen that? Because I do, I have, well, I, I love old movies and, and I love movies that are in that time period particular. Mm. So it's like, I've seen quite a few of them. One movie that I hadn't seen um, was the movie. Is it called 12 Angry Men? Yes. That movie is fantastic as well. And I'd never seen it until maybe a year or so ago, maybe two mm. years ago. Right. Um, and we watched it and I was like, why didn't I ever watch this? So there's, <laughs> there's so many movies, you know, it's, it's impossible to see them all, but yeah. I'm putting it on my list. And speaking of lists, <laughs> like that segue. Yeah. I want to remind our listeners. Oh, that, that kind of list. <laughs> like on our subscriber list. Very and good. Yes. The way absolutely. you do that is you go to LOA.net, LOAToday.net. Yes. And yep, I think all... it's self-explanatory once you get there, yes? Yeah, oh yeah, all the instructions are right there on the homepage. It's really easy, it takes about a minute. And uh, it, I mean, it's a tremendous benefit too, because when you're a subscriber, you get all the 
podcast episodes delivered directly to your smartphone so that whenever you want to listen to one or two or three or go on a binge listen, there they are. They're all ready for you. And that's what people do. I mean, we know that from the numbers. The average listener, not just subscribers, the average listener overall listens to 30 to 45 episodes a month. Well, if you're going to listen to that many, you might as well subscribe to make it really easy to find them. So subscribe. I I have a question for you, too, about the the website and the platform that we use because we want to encourage people also to call in. Yes. And um, we love having people call in and we don't talk about it too much. So I want to start remembering to encourage you that if you've got a question or a story to tell, because of course we love LOA stories or any other thing that you want to, you know, talk to us about, we'd love to hear your voice and have you call in. And so I know that if they go to the website on the PC, um, it's pretty easy to to click through and use our platform to talk to us. Mm-hmm. Can they also do that from a smartphone? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. In oh, fact, awesome. you can do it okay. from anywhere around the world. You don't have to be here in the U.S. I mean, you can, uh, but there there is a way you can directly call in. There's a, cl- a number you can click to call in here in the U.S. There's also a list of numbers that you can call in internationally. And, and again, that's all on the homepage. You can see links where you can find that information. Um, but probably the easiest way, because it doesn't involve any cell phone minutes or anything like that, is to just download the Zoom platform app for your smartphone. And again, the instructions are right there. It's, it's really, really easy to do. But once you do that, um, just following the instructions, you'll be able to connect right into the platform that we use. We use the Zoom platform. That's how Cindy and I talk, and it's how I talk with the other co-hosts every day. And then we connect that into the broadcast platform automatically. So all you have to do is just contact us through that Zoom platform, and boom, you're talking to us. Excellent. Okay. Well, I look forward to having people reach out and, and say hello. <laughs> yeah, we love it when that yeah. happens. It, it's it's not frequent that we get somebody who calls in, but we love it when it happens because it just it just changes the whole dynamic. Not the dynamic. Well, I, I realize bad, we don't talk about it a lot. I'm like, you know, yeah. if people are listening, they probably don't even know they can call in. So probably, yeah, because we haven't done it in a while. You're right. Yeah. yeah. But no, we love it when people call in. And we also get, you know, emails and Facebook posts and, you know, Facebook text messages and so forth. And you know, it's great. We love it when we hear from, from uh, the listeners. But we especially love it when they call in. So We yeah, do. We heard... appreciate you. And we'd, we'd love, we love any way you choose to reach out. We love to hear from you. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Yeah. Take the time to do it. You'll love it. We'll love it. Everybody who's ever called in says, oh, this is great. They love this. <laughs> So we have been for the past several months now working our way through this book, Money and the Law of Attraction, Mm -hmm. Learning to Attract Wealth, Health, and Happiness, Esther and Jerry Hicks, The Teachings of Abraham. It is a number one New York Times bestseller. It's a we're having a lot of fun with it. Oh yeah. We are we're about halfway through at this point. If you're I'm in a paperback version, we're on page one twenty four, but we are in a QA sec section. With um, Jerry asking questions of Abraham, and we're talking about health and wellness, well-being, and so that's that's where we're at. We're learning how to use the tools that we have learned to point that magic wand at our health <laughs> and our well-being. Magic wand, I like that. So the same tools that we learned in the beginning of the book, and that we talk about all the time. Um, that we originally learned in this book and moved on to how to create a better financial reality with these tools. They're just always the same tools because they're tools that have to do with our habits of thought. Yeah. Isn't that funny? I mean, it's Mm -hmm. always the same thing. We apply it to different stuff. And so we think about it differently, you know, from one stuff to the next. 
but yeah, it's all the same tool, just being applied the same way and, and producing results that are relevant to whatever the stuff is we're dealing with. I mean, like you said, lately we've been talking a lot about wellness or sometimes with diseases. In fact, we're doing diseases as the next subtopic. Um, but it, it all ties in to the same idea that if we get ourselves into that good feeling, that highly aligned uh, with, with positive emotion place, then all the stuff we want to attract, we're able to allow in. And that's what this section of the book is. The, the section of the book is about allowing, really. I mean, it's about wellness, but it's also about allowing. And through allowing, we get what we ask for. And isn't that what we all want anyway with the law of attraction, to get what we ask for? Exactly. So, you know, it when you were saying that, it made me think about just that simple idea that we say over and over. I'm sure people that listen to us every day, they hear us probably say this every day. Um, alignment. Align, and alignment first alignment first. And yep. what does that mean? And you know, what got me to thinking about was your, your uh, software issue, your plugin mm -hmm. issue. Yeah. And, and uh, I told you the story of a friend of mine who, who had had a, an issue after issue with someone that they had hired. And so they had to let them go and find someone else, but they were really frustrated about it. And they, they let them go and then they got online and they started searching for someone else. And then they had the light bulb moment of, Oh gosh, who I'm so frustrated right now. Like what kind of, person am I going to attract mm. to replace this other worker if right. I'm in this kind of state of alignment, right? Exactly. And it reminded me of the, um, the acronym HALT, H-A-L-T, oh, yes. it's, 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 it's an acronym for hungry, angry, lonely, tired, all times that we shouldn't be like making big decisions or, <laughs> right? Yep. And it reminded me of that because why? Because when we're hungry, angry, or maybe hangry, right? Yeah. <laughs> Lonely, tired. I mean, those are feelings we don't really want to be feeling usually. And we're not in alignment with what we want when we're feeling those things. I'd almost want to change the acronym to FALT, F-H-A-L-T, so I can put frustrated in there. <laughs> okay, let's do <laughs> So yeah, so it reminded me of that. I thought, you know, it's it's always so simple. It's always the simple thing of taking care of ourselves, getting enough sleep, making sure we're not hungry, eating some food, dealing with our, our emotions. You know, it's like very basic self-care and then getting ourselves into alignment first and then doing the thing, whatever yeah. it is, yeah. whatever it is. So <laughs> this, this section that we're on today uh, starts with the question from Jerry that's what's the effect of vaccines on diseases? So you yep. want to read Jerry's part? Sure. Then? Yeah. Jerry says, since we create our illnesses through thought, then why do vaccines like the one we have for polio seem to almost put an end to the spread of those particular types of diseases? And Abraham says the illness amplifies your desire and the vaccine amplifies your belief. Therefore, you have accomplished the delicate balance of creation. You want it and you allow it or believe it. And so it is. Um, I think it's really interesting. The illness amplifies your desire. Your mm. desire for what? Your desire for health. Yeah. For wellness. Uh, the vaccine amplifies your belief. You know, we were talking yesterday about um, placebos. Yes. And I know there's one teacher that that call that says labels them all just permission. Mm -hmm. It's like giving ourselves permission to get better. Yeah. Yeah. It makes and. Sense. Sort of like giving ourselves the belief that something can help, mm -hmm. and and that's you know I think what they're saying here is that 
when we say this isn't incurable, there really is a way that it can be helped. Like you brought up probably last week, the four minute mile. Right. That up until the point where someone had actually ran a mile in four minutes, it was thought to be that unbelievable thing. No one could do it. It was impossible. Right. Once someone did it the next year, people were doing it all over the place. All of a sudden they had permission to do Mm -hmm. something that had been deemed impossible. Yeah. They believed what they couldn't believe before. Yeah. So you want it and you allow it or believe it. And so it is. And interestingly enough, when, when, when we look at the placebo effect, and I, I, this is like me once more getting on my soapbox and speaking to the scientific community, what I really, really very much want to see scientists, research scientists do is to spend more time studying placebo. And I'd particularly like them to figure out ways to study it in the context of accepted um, treatments, treatments that through the scientific method have in their eyes proven to produce a statistically relevant result that is an improvement for the uh, the patient in some way. Because I've, I just believe more than anything now that if they could study it closely enough, they'll find there is a strong placebo content to those particular positive results that the studies produced. I mean, right now, most scientists will separate it. They'll say, well, there's either you give them a sugar pill or you give them the real Got thing. It. And, you know, with the real thing, they get the, the, the positive result. But with sugar pill, they also often get the positive result. And I'm suggesting, why not see if that, that placebo effect also works and helps reinforce the results with the statistically positive result of the actual treatment? Well, and because, that's exactly what Abraham's saying, right? Is that yeah, exactly. some of these drugs, some of the reasons or part of the reason, I think Abraham's saying all of the reason, but I feel like what I'm hearing from you is part of the reason why this medicine or this treatment helped me was because I believed it was going to help me, right? Oh, so yeah, that's exactly. The, that's the placebo part of it. So it's and, that, that additional <laughs> help that happened from the actual belief in the treatment, regardless of what the treatment was, but actual treatment, not a placebo pill. Right. Yeah. Because here's the thing, even with actual treatments, when scientists or research scientists determine that treatment X is efficacious for dealing with condition Y, what they're really saying is it produces a statistically improved likelihood of success. It does not mean that it always works for everybody. Right. Exactly. And I have this really deep-seated belief that if they were to learn how to combine placebo with the treatment, that those numbers would skyrocket and that the success rate would approach 100%. And so it's dependent on the individual and the individual's belief. Yeah. And possibly the individual's belief in believing. Interesting point. Yeah, that's true, because you have to believe in believing to some degree. Well, we do like that's what one of the things that we've recognized is that our beliefs have power for for good or for not. But I mean, (laughs) right. It's like the things we believe we talk all the time about limiting beliefs. We talk about powerful beliefs. And so we know that our beliefs play into this. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, those of us who are law of attraction practitioners are certainly aware. Exactly. I'm thinking more of like the the broader population that isn't familiar with law of attraction. And I'm thinking, wouldn't it be great if we can incorporate those same kinds of of 
belief factors so that they can also get the benefit of it. And by and so the that's, way, that's what I'm saying is it's it's yeah. sort of incumbent on the individual. Well, it is. It is. But one of the one of the main factors of a placebo is belief in the person who's giving you the, the sugar pill. Ah, that's one that that is that's one thing that science has determined that the sugar pill effect is caused primarily by the confidence that the patient has in the doctor who's giving them the sugar pill. So we need the doctors to be more persuasive. <laughs> uh, well, we need to take advantage of we need to leverage that uh, that that comfort factor because there's a, there's a definite comfort factor there that you know the patients feel comfortable believing the doctors that they're willing they they, they can handle that level of belief. So why not feed into it? You know. Um, well, instead I mean, of asking everybody the... to, be, to be law of attraction practitioners, why not just ask the medical prof prof uh, profession to take advantage of the fact that patients trust them and to use that as a way to help them heal? Well, I think that's one of the things that I, I think I might have mentioned it yesterday that both my parents had had been very ill and right. both of them had doctors that, you know, I almost want to say we're I'm making air quotes, but we're believers, you know. In believing, because I remember my, my mother's doctor saying to us, pointing to his head and saying, this is the most powerful organ in the body. What's going to make the difference is how she's thinking and what she believes. Which is and, definitely advanced. And it was awesome, yeah. you know, because, of course, we believed that we could create a better reality. And we we ended up doing that. So. It was uh, nice to have a doctor that was, you know, what it is, is that it's impossible to have faith if you've lost hope. So if you're feeling hopeless, that's the first thing that has to happen is to have our hope restored. Mm -hmm. And once our hope is restored, then we can find that momentum and move towards not hoping that something happens anymore, but envisioning it happening and having faith it's going to happen uh and so i think that that was the key with with her is that there was a doctor that gave her hope mm -hmm. instead yeah. of no hope of you know yeah you're not going to make it so so this is talking about faith this is i just i just looked to the book to see what the next subtitle yeah, well, was we're and, right on it yeah <laughs> and i realized it says what about medical doctors faith healers, and witch doctors. Which is quite a sentence, I have to say. <laughs> right? But Jerry asks, well, that would lead me to my next question. People like witch doctors, faith healers, and medical doctors, all of them have the reputation for healing some people and for losing some of their patients too. Where do you see the place for such people in thought or in life? Hmm. And Abraham says, the important thing that they have in common is that they stimulate belief in their patients. The first part of the balance of creation has been accomplished because the illness has enhanced the desire for wellness and anything that brings about belief or expectation will give positive results. When medicine and science stop looking for cures and begin to look for vibrational causes or imbalances, they will see a much higher rate of recovery. If a doctor does not believe that you can recover from your illness, your association with that doctor is extremely detrimental. And often, well-meaning doctors will defend their doubt for your recovery by pointing out the odds against it. 
telling you that it's not likely that you will be an exception. The trouble with that logic, even though it is based on the facts or evidence that medicine and science have come to expect, is that it has nothing to do with you. There are only two factors that have anything to do with your recovery, your desire, and your belief. And this negative diagnosis is hindering your belief. And let me just, I want to clarify one point there. That's an exceptional paragraph. (laughs) It is, but I want to clarify a point, the last sentence. And this negative diagnosis is hindering your belief. And I want to add to it if you accept it. Because the only way it can hinder your belief is if you buy into it. And that's just what happens. I mean, people, because of their trust in their physicians, they trust the belief that that gets transmitted to them. So that's where the problem is. It's them trusting that belief. It's not the belief that the doctor has. It's it's the patient trusting that belief. That's what. Well, that's you know, where it leads to the problem. A few minutes ago, we were talking about how even when even when science says you know this particular treatment heals this particular ailment. Mm-hmm. We know it's not 100%. Right. You know, it could be 51%. It could be 68%, mm-hmm. 97%, right? The number might get closer to 100, but there's going to be someone that it didn't work for. True. And there's going to be people that it did work for. And I love the way they fleshed that out in this paragraph saying, you know, that the trouble with that logic, even though it's based on the facts or evidence, is that it has nothing to do with you. Yeah. I mean, you could be the one person that it didn't work for. And you could be also be the one person that does not succumb to the disease. I mean, it, it, it's, not, it's nothing about you. It's just a number. It's just a, a statistic. It's not personal, <laughs> right? Well, so, it yeah. is and it isn't. I mean, I understand what your point is. Um, I think I, I think the broader point is that it's entirely up to you. Because mm-hmm. literally what you choose to desire and to believe is what influences whether or not you recover. Well, you know, the, the example that they're using here is that the doctor is defending their doubt for your recovery yes. by pointing out odds against it. Yep. So. First of all, you know, instead of explaining the odds for your recovery to to be on the other side, pointing out the odds against it to defend their doubt in your recovery, um, it's that it's that place of saying no. And, and I've heard people and even I believe that in our book, there's even a couple stories like this where people got a diagnosis and said, no, no, that's not going to be me. I'm going to get better. Right. Yeah. And that's the, that's the beginning of really taking control of your own healing. So when I say it's not personal, I just mean when they give you those numbers and they go, well, 60% of, you know, most people don't recover from this. It's like, it's just a number. It's, it's, it's a number, even if it's based on fact, it's not about me personally. It's just a number of a study that was done. So I can choose a different outcome. So it says, if you have a strong desire for recovery, and doctors are giving you no hope, it is logical that you would turn to alternative approaches where hope is not only allowed but encouraged, where there's much evidence to show that people can recover from supposedly incurable diseases. I also have to say, I, for the longest time, 
was an advocate for and a believer in the laws of probability. And I no longer am. Most, okay. actually, well, all science, all science, now that I think about it, is based in part um, upon the axiom, the assumption that the laws of probability hold true. But I'm not convinced that they're accurate. I'm Because, I mean, the, first of all, the, the law of probability, so-called, is really a theory. And it's really not a theory you can prove. You can prove it in the sense that you can write mathematical formulas that check themselves. And that, you know, I can, I can show it this way, I can show it that way. So in that sense, it's a mathematical proof. So in that sense, it's proven. But when you start looking at things anecdotally, which are, is a, an approach that is rejected by the scientific mind, because yes. their, their objection to it is that anecdote does not take into account uh, the full range of all possible combinations that can happen. What they're basically Except saying for is anecdotes do take into account hope. <laughs> well, they do. Yeah. Well, I they're was going to get there. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm still dealing with with the mathematical side. I'm still dealing right. with the the logical side that says, you know, the law of probability always governs, and they they reject the anecdotes because anecdotes do not fully take into account the the full range of possibilities that the laws of probability uh, take into account, but the problem with that, of course, is that in order to accept that objection, you have to assume that the original thesis is correct, which means this is really just a way of proving the thing that you're trying to prove using the thing that you're trying to prove, which is generally considered to be logically doesn't work. You can't do that. It's a violation of logic laws, according to the way uh, most logicians think about these things. I can't think what that's called. There's a particular kind of, of uh, I'm, term I'm, for I'm, that. I know what you're I, – I can't think of it either yeah. too early. <laughs> so, so basically – now, this is what my point is. Basically, the laws of probability, so-called, are based upon an assumption that you have to take on faith. And that is that the laws of, of probability are true, provided that you have a complete sample – well, actually, sample is inaccurate. You have a complete range of all possibilities covered – and that mathematically, you can always count on um, the distribution of of different kinds of results to be similar to the way the data is distributed within that range. Well, that's a nice theory, but it's still a theory. And it's not, there, there's like no real remember. way to prove that. There are still always anomalies, and I can be one if I want to. And if you have an anomaly, according to logic, <laughs> that disproves the theory. The exception does not prove the rule. The exception disproves the rule. <laughs> they like to say the exception proves the rule, but that's just a way of saying, I don't want to have to deal with the anomaly. <laughs> right? So the bottom line is here, we get to affect the outcome. We do. Yeah. And, and, and that's a hard one because there's no way for mathematics to take into account the human factor. So, right. I mean, I, I, I fully appreciate the math side of it, but I think I appreciate it more than many mathematicians do because the mathematicians aren't willing to consider the idea that there is a human side to mathematics. And yet, the one thing that we know for sure is that everything that happens in existence is directly influenced by the observer. That's the observer effect. 
I mean, that, that's, you know, right out of quantum physics. Well, if that's true, then that's also going to be true of mathematics. That yes. means mathematics is influenced by the human factor. We are powerful beings. We certainly are. I'm, I'm I, learning every day just how powerful we are. And I'm still blown away by it. <laughs> I want the day's going to come where reading, I'm not. <laughs> Francis Scovelshin once said um, that if we really understood how powerful our words were, it mm-hmm. would completely change the things that came out of our mouth. Yeah. <laughs> and I think about that with, with thoughts as well. Um, okay. So let's see. The next section is your physician as a means to well-being. So I think we're tying the concepts together here. So what does Abraham have to say? Abraham says, do not condemn your modern medicine for it has been created because of the thoughts, desires, and beliefs of the members of your society. But we want you to know that you have the power to accomplish anything that you desire, but you cannot look outside of yourself for the validation to do so. Your validation will come from within you in the form of emotion. Now, this is in italics. Seek your vibrational alignment first and then follow through with inspired action. Let your medical community assist you in your recovery, but do not ask them to do the impossible. Do not ask them to give you a cure to compensate for your misalignment of energy. Boy, does that deserve underlining or what? I mean, it's already in italics, but it needs to be underlined too. Do not ask them to give you a cure to compensate for your misalignment of energy. That's so powerful. Yeah. Without asking, there can be no answering. And attention to a problem is really an asking for a solution. So it's not unusual that doctors would be examining the physical body, looking for problems for which they might have a solution. But looking for problems is a powerful catalyst for attracting them. I sure know that. And and so often well-meaning doctors are instrumental in perpetuating more illness than they are able to find cures for. Whoa. And then this is in italics. We are not suggesting that they are not wanting to help you. We are saying their dominant intent when they examine you is to find some evidence of something wrong. And since that is their dominant intent, that is more of what they attract than anything else. Which raises a really important question. What would happen if they talked about all the things that they found right? Yeah. Well, I think that for the most part, when people are going to a doctor, it's because maybe they've already noticed a symptom that feels wrong and they're looking for what's causing it. Oh, yeah. And in that situation, um, that seems to me like we're listening to our body Mm -hmm. and we're looking for the solution. That's good. And I think that that's one of the things that we don't talk about enough is looking for a solution. In other words, with the whole idea of not wanting to look at things that are uncomfortable and you know me am always saying it's okay it's okay to feel uncomfortable it's okay to see things that are uncomfortable i mean you know it's okay to look at what's going on in the world 
Um, and then what do we want to do? We want to focus on the solution. And so in our bodies, when our when we have pain or we have a symptom, we have something, um, I don't think there's anything wrong with investigating and looking for a solution. But what I see here happening that Abraham is talking about is looking for what's wrong. And especially when there isn't even a symptom, right? Just like going in for a checkup. I know some I know some law of attraction practitioners that don't go for a checkup because they have the idea of why do I want to go and say, find something wrong with me? Yeah, I'm one of them. <laughs> and so I, I totally, I get that too. Um, but I think that if there's something obviously wrong, um, I use the word wrong. I don't, I, I think it's something right with us when we have a symptom because our body is trying to heal itself and also trying to alert us saying, Hey, <laughs> pay attention. There's something happening over here. Oh, I and agree. so, yeah. and so when we go to find out what we can do, what we can best do to, you know, alleviate the symptom, um, the focus needs to stay on the solutions. <laughs> it does. And actually what the, the, uh, the the path you painted there is why even when I do have a symptom, I usually don't go to the doctor. In fact, I almost never go to a doctor because for me, when I get that symptom, like I've been dealing with a knee issue, right? When I get the symptom, I want to use that as a way for me to heal myself. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's my particular approach. There are a lot of people who still do it the old fashioned way. They want the doctor to cure them, which Abraham pointed out very nicely. That's really not the right thing to do. You don't want to ask the doctor to cure you for being out of alignment with yourself. But nevertheless, people still do that. That's well, why I, I think, think it's one of the, they mentioned, they mentioned that in the alternative, you know, kind of medical communities where people are more focused on wellness, that there also seems to be more of an acceptance of hope and of a more of an acceptance of the idea that we can bring healing to ourselves, We can allow healing in. And I, I know that's been my path. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm, my approach is similar to yours. Um, <laughs> and when I do seek out support, it's usually from an alternative practitioner that, that understands my belief system. Mm -hmm. Which is very and important. And that can support sure. me in thinking better thoughts towards becoming well. This is interesting. I want to read this little paragraph and yeah. get your thoughts. Okay. Um, because after the italicized paragraph that ends with, and since it is their dominant intent, that is more of what they attract, talking about finding something wrong. It says, speaking of doctors, I suppose, it says, in time, after they have been involved in it for a long period of time, they begin to believe in the fallibility of man they begin to notice more often what is wrong than what is right. And that is the reason so many of them begin to attract illness into their own experience. Mm -hmm. Sure. Which is, why, so was, which is why I think it pays to focus on what's right. That, that, that's why I think that I, I would like to see medical science, mainstream medical science, not, I mean, alternative science, alternative medicine already does to a large extent uh, focus on what's right. But I'd like to see mainstream uh, medicine do the same thing because if they focus more on what's right notice what's wrong for sure i mean you don't want to ignore the symptom and then basically help provide 
treatments, whether they involve an actual uh, scientific treatment or or whether it's just, you know, focus on positive things, get yourself into alignment, however they decide to do it. The main thing is, yes, identify what's wrong, but don't make that the only thing that you identify. Identify the whole range of stuff that's right and, and take advantage of the fact that you, the doctor, are helping to provide the main anchor to the placebo effect. That placebo effect is huge for someone, even if they don't understand how important it is to take control of their own mind. Even if they don't understand the importance of getting into alignment, it's still very powerful. So effectively, a medical doctor, including a mainstream medical doctor, can help a patient heal faster by helping the patient believe that they can heal faster, by helping the patient believe that their body is already doing most things right, that it's just one small thing that needs to change, and they can make it make that change, and, and they will get better. I, that, that's why I want medical science to study the placebo effect more. I really believe they could, within the modality that they have in mind, they, they have their own way that they want to do things. They have their scientific approach. Within that approach, just by making this shift, they can produce tremendously better results than they're getting. Yeah, I think I, I like that so much, the idea that um, every symptom is a healing gesture. Mm. I mean, that's really one of my favorite ideas to remember when any, when I have a symptom of any kind, right? Every symptom is a healing gesture. The the sentence you just said, I thought was so powerful that your body's already doing most things right. Yeah. Um, your, and even the symptom is a, a healing gesture from your body. So the idea that to be encouraged and to be reminded in a really powerful way when there's, you know, when the doctor detects uh, what's going on is the reminder of all of the things in your body that are working right. And even all of the things that are working right to produce this symptom to get your attention, you know, it's like such a different take on it. The perspective is so different. The perspective is that you absolutely can support your own healing with with your thoughts and your ideas and your beliefs. And I think mainstream okay. medicine is doing that more than they did by a lot. Yeah, I think I so. Mean, certainly yeah. when, they, when, when they run a battery of tests, what happens? They, they, they get the test results back. They, they see it on the chart for that particular patient, right? And they go through the chart and it's like normal, 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 normal. You know, all these tests showing all the things that are going right. So all they really need to do is shift their own perspective, and, and they're starting to learn to do that. Shift their own perspective to, you know what? Your body's doing really, really well. And then communicate that to the patient. Yeah, and, and put some focus it. there. Yeah, exactly. You know, because we know that what we focus on expands. That's right. And see, that's the argument, like, for people that don't want to deal with some uncomfortable things that are happening whether they're happening in politics or whether they're happening in their own body or whether they're happening in their community or whatever it is, it's like, well, we don't want to focus on that because what we focus on expands. Mm -hmm. And my idea is, yeah, we want to focus on the solution. Yes. <laughs> so it says, Jerry says, Jerry oh. asks a question. Here. Oh, okay. Jerry says, so is that the reason why often doctors can't heal themselves? And Abraham says, that is the reason. It's not easy to be focused upon others' negatives without experiencing the negative emotion within your own being. An illness exists because of the allowance of negativity 
one who never experiences negativity will not be sick. I, I want to say that if you're living on planet Earth, you're not probably going to be that one. No, probably not. Negativity happens. <laughs> yes. Sometimes I think it's important to point these things out. I always remind myself that Abraham is not a physical being living on Earth. <laughs> and if I, I could actually rewrite that by saying, instead of saying one who never experiences negativity will not be sick, expand it to say not just that, but also, and when you do experience negativity, don't focus on it so you won't make yourself sick. Yeah, I think that's the important thing to recognize is that it's all a learning process and it's a practice. Yeah. And there's no, you know, I think I told the story one time about when I worked for the um, the naturopathic doctors, I managed their office for a number of years. And, and at one point I came to work and suddenly, very suddenly started getting symptoms of like a head cold, but it was bad <laughs> and it happened fast. It was awful. Yeah. And I really started emotionally. I was really beating myself up because I felt like I was focused on wellness and I was taking good care of myself. And how did this happen? And I was really down on myself about it. And the doctor said to me, Cindy, you know, be, just because you get a cold, that that's no measure of, you know, how healthy your body is. It's how your body responds to the cold once it gets it. And but still looking back and realizing I really was beating myself up for my thought processes for, mm -hmm. you know, and there's no need to do that. Um, if you're listening and you're experiencing any kind of lack of well-being, there's no need to beat yourself up that, oh, shame on you. You've allowed in a negative thought. It's it's not that simple. We live on earth. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just it's a practice you, opportunity just because, to point, yeah, just because point you live, your focus at wellness. Because you experience a negative thought doesn't mean that you have to stay there. It's not like you have to, okay, I've experienced negative thought. Now I have to think it for the rest of my life. <laughs> No. <laughs> Thank goodness that's not the case. <laughs> Does that mean that you're not going to experience it? No. I mean, of course you're going to experience it. It's just a question of how long you're going to stay there. I mean, if you stay there long enough to notice, you know what? I got a symptom here. I should probably do something about that. I wonder what the solution is. You've just used negatively perfect negativity perfectly. You've done yep. exactly what you need to do with negativity. On the other hand, if you say, I'm sick and I'm getting sicker and, oh, my God, this is never going to go away. I'm going to die from this thing. Well, then you're probably not going to produce the health result you're looking for. Right. So just shift shift the focus. Shift the focus. That's it. Yeah. And, of course, we have to always throw in the uh, proviso. We're not medical doctors, so we're not giving out medical information under the law. We're, we're not allowed to do that, and, and we're not giving out medical information in that sense. What we're giving out is energetic information. We're saying change your emotions, and you're going to find you're going to get healthier results. We're not claiming that we have done all the research on this. We're not claiming that we've you know, done the scientific studies. We're just saying this is the way energy works. And, you know, you can use it or not use it to whatever way you want to. Um, Certainly, I wouldn't recommend if, if you're working with a doctor that you just stop working with a doctor unless you're finding that the doctor isn't really su suiting you and fitting your needs. But, uh, you know, by all means, stick with your medical professionals if you're feeling comfortable with them. Um, Agree. Just got to throw that in there. <laughs> so let's see. I think we actually are well over. We have to stop the podcast, don't we? We have to wrap it up. <laughs> well, it's been great. I look forward to talking to you again next week then. <laughs> I'll be back then. I hope you will, too.
And we'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everyone. <laughs>